take real estate as a shot or as a fully stocked cooler? This is the Five O'Clock Somewhere Real Estate Investor Podcast. We're bringing common sense back to real estate investment. So crack open your beverage of choice, sit back and relax, and allow us to learn you a thing or two. Here are your hosts, Brett Bernard, Glenn Green, Matt Wheeler, and Jeff McNett. This uh, show is strictly a casual conversation about real estate. Um, we try to put common sense back into real estate, and we're not experts. We actually know what we're talking about. There it is. You like it? Yeah, okay. still like it. I'm, get, I'm getting better. I've been practicing. T-shirts I've practiced are on the way. all the way on the way over here. Drove here just repeating it. Before we get started, I want to make an announcement about our, I guess it'll be our second we had a break because of COVID and some other BS, but uh, we're going back to our annual investor summit where we bring a small group of investors to Memphis and meet for a few hours each morning, talk about the Memphis market, talk about the types of properties, introduce you to contractors, title companies, lenders, and just give you an overall scope of all the services that we have. And then we pile you into a short bus make you put on a helmet and then we tour Memphis. We'll take you through, we'll have security provided. Of course. Uh, we'll By dry- the time we're done with the seminar, you'll know more about Memphis than you ever wanted to know. Probably, yeah. Probably more than they want to know. So uh, we'll tour Memphis uh, one day and then we'll do dinner at Owen Brennan's and then we'll get up and meet for a few hours the next morning, go over questions. And, and cause once you see Memphis first, you'll have a lot of questions about different markets then that day we'll also go back on the road and do a few other things. And then you're kind of free to do your own thing at night. You can come hang out at Mulligan's with, with us and drink some beer. You can go Beale Street, go to Graceland, whatever you want to do. Or so, 201 Poplar. Yeah, or 201 <laughs> yeah. Poplar. We haven't had any investors go there yet. So uh, 201 Poplar, by the way, is the, the Memphis Police Department. <laughs> Memphis Police Department in the downtown jail. So we're talking about, is it Thursday and Friday, the 15th and 16th, correct? 15th, June, 15th and 16th of June. If you're interested in coming, hopefully this episode will be out before that. That would be up to our producer. Yeah, so hopefully our producer can swing this into an episode soon. And just give me a call at 901-692-7401, or you can call Glenn. 901-301-8368. Or email. My email is brett, B-R-E-T-T, at G H G nine zero one dot com or Glenn G Green G G R E E N E at G H G nine zero one dot com. Or if you just have questions uh, about anything, I got a text a couple days ago. I sent to everybody from a gentleman in Miami who heard our podcast and uh, has some questions about Section Eight. So we're going to get into that a little bit more today. So with that, I want to introduce our guest, Tom Durhan. Hey, Brett. Thanks for having me on. So Tom and I met, a few, actually Tom, Glenn and I have known each other for about, what, four years now. We met, Tom was a contractor, is doing some rent-ready work for us and doing some work for investors when they turn properties. And over that course, uh, Tom has been investing in properties for what? How long now, Tom? Uh, 20 years. 20 years. So the unique thing about what Tom does, and Tom and I have put together pretty pretty cool system and it's working pretty well and we'll talk about that but i want to get into the type of properties you're dealing with and the type of tenants you're getting because i've been preaching i never thought i'd see the day where i would i would actually support section 8 
Memphis Housing Authority. And recommend it. Or recommend it. That's true. But it has become quite a tool for investors. The one thing that I've noticed, or two things I've noticed, when I, we did the 21 house deal and I did the inspections and I met, Tom had 21 houses at one time that I was selling to one of my other investors. I did the inspections. As I'm going to the inspections, I'm just dreading every single one of them because I just assumed, I made an assumption based on my experience of Section 8 in the past. And as I started going through these homes, I, you know, we had one dog that was kind of rough, but the majority of them, you walk in and you've got the, the nicest tenants. They've been living there 10 years. The house is in excellent condition. And I just was flabbergasted. So Tom and I talked a lot about it. And what MHA has done is not so far long ago, investors that were invested in MHA and dealing with Memphis Housing Authority or Section 8, it was such a problematic situation for an investor because a tenant would break a window and, you know, Section 8 would say, well, fix the window or we're not sending you the rent. So the investor's constantly having to do things to keep the rent coming in. I, I would say early 2000s, a lot of investors just started bailing out of Section 8. They just like, it's too hard. I don't want to deal with it. They're a pain in the ass. So they started bailing out. So now Section 8 and Memphis Housing Authority being one of the one of the arms of that uh, ends up with nothing but a bunch of crack houses in the worst part of town or in a boarded up neighborhood. With the worst tenants. With the worst tenants. I don't have any proof of this, but what it appears to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it appears to me that some time ago, MHA got their head together and finally realized if we're going to get decent homes for our tenants, number one, we're going to have to qualify them better. We're going to have to make sure we're doing our inspections, checking on the houses and the tenants, and we need to pay market rent and sometimes a little over to compete with the investment properties that are out there and get good homes for our tenants. Is that correct? It is correct. I think COVID kind of reset things, and I, they have a new director as well the last few years, and I think she's really revamped a lot of things as well to change, to get their rents back up, to get their inspections better. So uh, that's really helped. Well, and, and you're, you're always managed to get tenants in at market rent. And I've, yeah. we're going to have a builder on later, which will probably be on another episode, and we're doing a lot of new build sales for him. One of my investors bought three, and we rented every single one of them. One sell paid two MHA, all fifteen hundred bucks across the board. When market rent was fourteen hundred, so MHA saw a brand new home, and they were willing to outbid anybody else to get their tenants into that home. And they're fantastic tenants. Well, right now, Brett, they're having a they have a shortage of quality houses since their standards are high, and there's a lot of vouchers that have been released. So you have tenants literally just waiting for a good product for a house to come up. Yes. Well, you've taken advantage of that in a great way. And uh, what I want to talk about first, we've talked about this before on a, on a previous podcast, explain your mindset in investing because everyone's got their own formula. Everyone's got their own idea and they, you know, what's right, what's wrong. Explain how you view investments and why you do it the way you do it. Okay. Well, it's a constantly evolving process based on where we are with the economy. For me, MHA suddenly made a lot of sense because you have guaranteed money at a really good rate. So I really kind of switched gears to never doing MHA to really trying to get MHA. That would be my goal. It was just a more of an evolved process of wanting to get the best bang for the buck. And MHA currently is that. The only downfall is the inspection period. But that's... How long is that taking right now? Well, right now... For instance, I just had a house available uh, on Arlington Street 
we got a tenant that wants it. It's going to be, it's, we're about two weeks into it. They're in about two weeks. We'll get our assignment for the inspection. Then we have to have the inspection. So it's almost 60 days. Oh my God. So it, it is pretty rough. Uh, and I've got the house sold and my buyer said, I will close the day after the tenant moves in. Right. That's all he's waiting on. Right. So you got a beautiful house waiting. So that's the only downside right now is there's so many people of vouchers waiting, but yet they can't get the inspections fast enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're understaffed. Oh, I'm sure. Um, uh, I've been to a couple of inspections. They actually are pretty easy. The people that I met, the inspectors are pretty cool. And they just kind of walk through and say, here, do this, do that, do that. And, you know, next day you're you're cleared. It's not, it's just getting them out there and getting it scheduled is the yes. tough part. Yes, it is. Because they're, they're catching up from COVID too and staffing issues like everybody else. The unique thing that, uh, that Tom has done, um, and he does it well simply because, you know, I have other investors that have purchased homes from times are like, well, maybe I ought to do that. Maybe I ought to find a, a house that's fallen down and rebuild it and get a tenant at market and sell it at, you know, 1% rule. The advantage Much for, easier said than done. Absolutely. Much easier said than done. Well, but face it, if if a house needs $30,000 worth of work, and that's, and Tom and I just, we're about to close one next week that's right. going to be like 30000 Yeah. Um, if... It needs thirty grand with the work, and Tom says thirty thousand. That that's his cost. An investor who wants to do it, it may be forty, forty-five thousand. So the the num the spread isn't as big enough to make it worth their time. And I've told them all that. I said, if you want to come to Memphis, get your contractor's license, and hire you some crews, you can do this. I said, but Tom's not going to do it for his cost. He's got to have some money involved. Right. So what Tom has done, and I've helped him buy a few houses here and there. We got some really good deals on some some properties. We did. So what Tom will do is he'll go in and take that home, completely renovate it inside and out, put a roof on it, new HVAC, hot water heater. If it needs new electrical, he'll do that. If it needs new plumbing, he'll do that. And then he'll go to MHA and he'll get a tenant in at market rent. And let's say market MHA is paying twelve hundred a month. Then Tom knows we can sell that house for one hundred twenty thousand, one percent rule. And we've been doing that all day long. Now we do run into some situations from time to time. We, you know, we try to look at market values prior to him renting and putting money into it to understand what our top number is. But once we know that, I mean, I can sell a turnkey, market rented property in Memphis to an investor in my sleep. That is the easiest deal to ever do because all investors, especially the new ones, are not looking to bring on projects that are going to have to cost them 30 or 40 grand out of pocket just to get it rented. They love the fact that they can get a turnkey with a tenant in place, guaranteed income from MHA. The other advantage is that tenant moves in and because they're MHA, they're probably going to be there for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. That's exactly right. And I've experienced that myself. Right. An MHA tenant rarely moves and you're going to get a minimum of three years. And the great thing is you can get increases every year. Right. What is the percentage, average percentage of increase? If it's, let's say the rent's $1,000 from MHA. Then more than likely you can get 10% every year. That's easy. No, very little paperwork. So at least easy. Roughly $80 to $100 a year increase. Right. Okay. Some states have laws about how much you can increase rent. That's California. Well, yeah. Uh, every in weird York, thing in this yeah. country started in California. Yeah. And that's one of them, the rent caps. Rent control. Uh, rent control. But we don't have that here in Memphis. Uh, I mean, if it's MHA, they'll control it, right? Because they will only go up so far. But I, I don't think we have any kind of rent control here in Memphis. Because no. you, if market's 1400 and they're paying 700 you can increase it to 1400 tomorrow. And if they don't want to pay it, they can move. Yep. It's another advantage to invest in Memphis. Yes, it is. So, Tom, we've got, um, how many you got going now? 
I've currently got eight projects that I'm rehabbing to sell that Brett will have. And one of them's going to, and a few of them are going to be owner occupant, but for the most part, it's all going to be the MHA formula. Yeah. Because in some situations, and if for you new investors out there listening, not all homes can be converted to rent properties, to investment properties. And the reason being is, is because in this particular situation, Tom got the house, he's putting the money into it. And because of the, the rental comps, I think, what are 1200 Right. Something like that. The max you're going to sell it to an investor for is 120000 but market value is probably closer to one fifty. Right. So it makes more sense for Tom, for me to list it on open market and sell it to an owner-occupant for 150000 versus flipping it to an investor for one twenty. Exactly. And that's something that having a good realtor like Brett or Glenn is invaluable because they can give you the right numbers to let you know, okay, well, I need to do owner-occupant or I'm better off doing a rental. Well, it also gives you a heads up on how much you can put into it. Yeah. You know, so you don't overspend and get yourself, you know, tapped out where you can't make any money on the property and we're dumping it just trying to get you out of it. And it, the system's working well. I mean, we've sold a lot of Tom's houses to our investors. They all seem very happy. And I will say this about Tom. I'm going to talk about the repairs. Go, <laughs> okay? Yeah, go for it. Because <laughs> I'm not going to throw you on the bus here, but I'm a, I, I don't want to own anybody that calls Tom for work to think he's just going to give you a great deal because he's a great guy. <laughs> but I have a lot of investors that buy Tom's houses. We do an inspection, get the report in. There's a list of things that are, I mean, these are older houses, right? And you oh, can't yeah. catch everything. And I send it to Tom and Tom just goes through and repairs it. We don't have to haggle between buyer and seller. We don't have to go back and forth on pricing because he wants the investor and I want the investor and the investor wants for themselves to be in this house at 1%. And Tom knows that. Right. So he's selling at 1%. So he goes in and he takes care of the issues. And that, I think that's why most of my investors, uh, Kevin being one of them, is super excited. He's totally happy with the products he's bought and the return he's getting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you touched on an important thing. I have crews here that I've developed over the years that work just for me. And I have enough business that I can do that. It's really hard for somebody who lives in California to come here, find a crew, get them to work, get them to show up, get them to do all the things. I mean, uh, Glenn has an investor just dealing with that right now. I'm having to take <laughs> over a project and help. Yep. Yeah, we talked about that. We have not had to fire many vendors, but this one had to. Well, we didn't really fire him. I just called and left him a voicemail, and he never returned my call. He just kind of disappeared. My client fired him. Oh, he did? Okay. It is important that if you're going to invest anywhere, that you, number one, find you a good agent. You know, don't shop for management companies before you locate a good agent. If you locate a good agent, they're going to have quality management companies that they can refer you to. They're going to have quality contractors. They're going to have quality title companies, appraisers, inspectors. They're going to have everything lined up for you. If you call an agent and say you want to get an investment property, it would be a good solid question to ask an agent to even see if that's the right agent for you. I'd ask them to, of course, do you I work weekend? The processes, you know, here. If I call you on Saturday, are you going to answer the phone? Oh, yes. That's a big one. I love going out and looking at houses on the weekend, you know, because I always I go out by I'll myself. I love it, uh, well, but, I but I'll do it. Well, I don't mind doing it. I, yeah. I like driving around the city and getting to know new neighborhoods. You know, you do this long enough, you know every shortcut in the city. Right. Um, you know, our philosophy is boots on the ground. And what people don't understand is what that means. Always. And that is we're, we're going to hold your hand throughout the entire process and even through closing into property management. Mm-hmm. And even beyond property management. I mean, we, I'm in, we're involved in our clients' properties even though they've been turned over to management. They call us all the time. We just got an email yesterday from an investor who asked, 
got a bid from management, wanted our opinion on it. So we do stay involved for the long the long haul. Well, and one one important factor, if I can interject real quick, that I love about Brett and Glenn as as an investor, I'm only paying you a hundred bucks, dude. Slow I, down. I know, but the, <laughs> for me, it's critically important that I get a lot of deals that come across my desk from wholesalers and whatnot. I need a quick response from my agent of what is this area good and what is this house worth. Those are two critically important questions, and they have to be available to answer them because you never know when a deal is going to come across your desk. If you don't jump on it, somebody else is going to. Okay, Matt, Jeff, question. If Tom called me tomorrow and says, what do you think this house is worth? Should I get on Zillow and take their opinion? Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Did I do good? Jeff? You were about to say yes, weren't you? (laughs) Sure, why not? (laughs) No, I mean, it's true. All you got to do is get on Paragon, and in five minutes, you can pull up a quick CMA of data and and understand what the average market value is. It's not hard. Well, that's the first thing we do as part of that process is we just look at the basic data of what's the max estimated value, uh, what's the rent comp. And I can look at those numbers, see how many bedrooms and baths it has, and and in my mind, I know about how much somebody would pay for it as an investor. And here's a very important piece, too. On the CMAs, you look at the area location number, 733A, 732B, because I see listings from other agents that do this broad analysis on a CMA and you look at the the locations and they're all over the place. So you narrow it down to that neighborhood. So every every neighborhood's got its own number, right? And if you narrow it down to that neighborhood and the beds and baths and get a closer amount of square footage, that number is going to be pretty damn well on the spot. It should be. Tom, let's talk quickly about cuz you're doing a lot of work in Fraser and I've been talking about Fraser 38127 we have on this show. Raleigh blew up it did. And now the average home there is 110, 115,000. I had guys that bought them for 60 and 70 four or five years ago, mm-hmm. thanks to our good advice. So we're now moving people to Frazier because we're kind of seeing the same upward trajectory starting in Frazier. So what took you into Frazier? Why did you choose Frazier? Well, it's all just pockets. There's, like everything else, there's good pockets and bad pockets of Frazier and everywhere in Memphis, but there's so much demand for good houses that people have had to go to Frazier and go to North Memphis and Mm -hmm. South Memphis, more Whitehaven. So to me, it was just made sense to find quality neighborhoods. You go, you tour them, make sure they're good. And then as we develop houses there, we bring more people there. And so it just starts a renaissance. Like a snowball rolling down a hill. It really is. Because all of a sudden you've got Instead of having two good houses on the street, you've got all of them are good. Some and, of the areas that we're working in, I drive down the street and there's 20 houses on the street and 10 of them are in renovation. Yes. So it's, it's it's a good time to be doing this because there are distressed properties out there still. And you can find them uh, if you know what you're doing. If you have a good agent. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll pay you 150 for that since you, you bumped it up a bit. You told me 200 <laughs> All right. I want to go ahead and thank Tom for being here. I wanted to discuss the the Section 8. Do you all have any questions about Section 8? Anything that pops into mind? No, I know everything already. Okay. That's impressive. (laughs) That is impressive. Tom, I have one question. If you could briefly tell our listeners some of the uh, positive impacts and changes that you've seen in some of these communities and neighborhoods as a result of your good work. Well, I think it's 
it, that's something I really take a lot of pride in, uh, doing the houses right and impacting the community. It's not just getting a good tenant. It's if you do a good job, you are helping to bring the whole community up and people come by and they'll thank you. I mean, that is an important aspect of what we do is making the community better, not just trying to make money, but we're investing in Memphis, which there's still a lot of good people here. Well, it's a win-win situation, not only for, for the owners, the, the investors, but the tenants as well. Thank you for that. No problem. Thank you. You know, I've had some interesting conversations with uh, folks in our industry, you know, title assurance, different agents, and um, none of them like working with investors. We're the ones that do that because it's a different game entirely. I love it. I love it, too. I'd rather not do anything else except sell investments. Nope. Uh, if you want me to help you sell your house on the owner-occupant market, we will be glad to put one of our agents on that, or we'd be glad to take it. But personally, I'd soon put a gun in my mouth than <laughs> to do owner-occupant sales. I cannot stand it. And the reason why I love what I do is it's fun, right? And we can do it mobily. Uh, Glenn and I have both written contracts down in the Florida Keys, on the boat, at the dock. I mean, we... It's, we it's a beautiful lifestyle, <laughs> right? But we're on twenty four seven. Yeah, our phone is never off. You know, if you want to talk to us, nine zero one six nine two seven four zero one nine zero one three zero one eight three six eight. All right, Tom. I know you got to run, and man, I appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot. And um, the name of your company is TNS Real Estate LLC. Is my investment company, and Sunrise Construction LLC is my construction company. And you want to give your phone number out? 901-598-7142. Cool. Thank you. For more common sense real estate tips, listen and subscribe at 5oClockSomewherePodcast.com. The 5 O'Clock Somewhere Real Estate Investor Podcast is a Sound Ideas Group production. 